Good morning, good day, good whatever to all of you out there in the teeming masses, and welcome to, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to this edition of the... I think you were trying to say welcome to our kingdom. Welcome, well, king, well, king to my kingdom. I'm the king of the... No. Uh, welcome to the Day in Sports podcast here, following uh, week one in the NFL, do a little bit of a post-mortem uh, immediately... Let's look, I guess, at some stuff. Uh, I don't know. Let's check in with you first, though. How are you today, Adam? I'm feeling really good. Um, going to be putting in my two-week notice at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be daddy daycare around here. And it's going to be a little bit more for the day in sports audience because I'm going to have a little more time on my hands to write. And uh, so personally, on a personal level, Ben, I feel great. On a personal level? On yeah. a, how about on a, like a, a corporate level? How do you feel? Mm. I'm bucking the corporate culture. You're bucking it? Yeah. I don't agree. I, I think that's a good idea. Go West. Yeah. My, what was it? Go West, my son? Young, young man. man. Young man? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I was, yeah. I, I, I'm going to create. I'm going to be innovative. I'm going to get weird. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this podcast. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, embrace it. I'm 26, damn it. No, I'm in my mid twenties. Time to hit that mid mid retirement time just yeah. for a little while. It's like late thirties for women. It's almost freakout time. My clock is ticking. So how how is your uh, stress level and or blood pressure heart performing after the first uh, week of NFL football? It was good. Everything felt good. I was so excited about it, and uh, for my team, the 49ers, even though it was a close game against the Packers and the Packers. Here's the thing that's weird: is I feared the Packers. Week one last year, I feared the Packers as a 49er fan going into the divisional playoffs last year as well. And I both times I thought, they have Aaron Rodgers, they're probably going to beat the 49ers. I don't know why. I think it's 10 years of getting beaten like a, a wet dog or yeah. a naughty dog. Of like You didn't use your one F word for this show. Yeah. yeah. I was, we were like 4-12, and 6-10. and 10. We did a 2-14 and 14 one time, mm-hmm. uh, which was, you know, it can be fun. It was a cute 2-14. and 14, It can right? be fun. Yeah. I remember uh, somebody called them a CFL team at one point, which was pretty... Ac- anyway, I digress. <laughs> but uh, So I, it took three years of Harbaugh to really restore my faith in the 49ers. Um, so I don't know how long it's going to take to restore my faith in humanity, but it took three years to get the 49ers back in my heart. And going into this game, I wasn't nervous for it. I thought we, uh, the proverbial we, <laughs> we I'm on the team. Yeah. I thought we were going to win. And even throughout the game, even when, uh, the first moment I got nervous was when Rodgers led the Packers down the field, made that incredible throw to uh, Jordy Nelson on the mm-hmm. sideline. They go up, Packers go up 28, 24. I was like, we might accidentally lose this game, but we still look like the better team. We held the ball for 40 minutes. We were better on third down. Kaepernick, three touchdowns, 400 yards, no interceptions. And he didn't even run the ball. He didn't run the ball. Like, he, he, I think he, on design read option runs, he ran it like four or five times for like 10 yards. So I don't, I don't think they want him running the ball as much this year. Um, that's my they, point, though. They, who's the backup? I mean, that's I think that's what their thought process is. If yeah. he gets smashed, who's coming in? <laughs> It's, it's the game manager, Colt McCoy. Yeah, old Colt, yeah. He's uh, he's itching, I'm sure. Yeah, I think Trent Dilfer might come in yeah. and just be like, I'm going to work part-time at ESPN, part-time as Kaepernick's backup. Mm-hmm. Hashtag QB surgeon. <laughs> Hashtag QB surgeon. But, so, I don't know. I was I was excited to feel like this team is so elite now that I don't even feel that threatened by the Packers, at least on 49ers home field. So, that's my main takeaway. I'm going to kick it back at you, and it's going to be a less 
it's more emasculating on my side of the fence. Yeah, it's not going to be as fun. No. It's going to be as exciting. Well, when you lose to a team that wears, what's that, Honolulu blue? Is that the color that that technically is? We should clarify, Honolulu blue is for the, all the pro bowlers that the Lions have. Yes. And well, they just got all up in your Vikings face this weekend. They wear that color because usually none of them make the Pro Bowl, so they have to feel like they're playing in the Pro Bowl during the regular season. Somewhere, yeah. uh, I'm not sure if the roar has actually been restored or not. but Maybe that, they're good, though. I don't think so. I, th- I mean, I think they just... The Vikings are terrible. They literally handed that game over to them. I mean, turnovers begot turnovers. Yeah. And uh, it was just an ugly game, and the Vikings' defense looked terrible. Christian Ponder... Predictably look terrible. Okay, what's the biggest thing like? Because every, <clears throat> as biased as everyone, you know, as a Vikings fan, you're biased. As a 49, 49er fan, I'm biased, but I know my team, right? Yeah. What is it that Christian Ponder does? Because it's easy to sit there and look at his stats and say he's not he's not one of these new age guys, or he's not he's not even like Andy Dalton. He's just not that good of a player. But what is it? Obviously he doesn't put up the great numbers. What is it? Is it mechanics? Is it mental? Is it physical? What is it? I thought there was one situation, one possession that was kind of a microcosm for like Christian Ponder's entire microcosms. Yes. Okay. So the the Vikings get the ball back. They're down by 10 with six and a half minutes roughly left on the clock. Okay. Fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. Um, And Ponder, that's, that's where heroes are made. Yeah. You know? And ladies men. And ladies men. Uh, (laughs) Ponder, throws three straight incompletions and they weren't even like it wasn't even like you know good defense or you know just a a miscommunication he sailed the ball out of bounds twice i think um his speed set no he was was scrambling maybe it's mechanics or was the line bad or does christian ponder suck i have so many questions the line didn't have a good game but he's something they've been trying to encourage him to do for years is make quicker decisions you've got you've got to know you know who your out is if 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 you've got a blitz coming or whatever. How does he and not know I, that? I don't know. And he's supposed to be a smart guy. How did he go twelfth then? Because the mental stuff. <laughs> and I'm been asking that. Okay, for years. all right. So this is the franchise. I'm going to just make fun of the yeah. Minnesota Vikings poke for a while. Poke it hard. Poke the bear. <laughs> what bear? Uh, they don't scare me. The dancing bear like, that they're they practice instead of doing actual drills. One know. of the most frightening moments in my life was last year when I went to the 49ers at Vikings week two or three. And I was at the urinal, like half drunk and depressed. Late fourth quarter, we're losing like fourteen twenty four to the Vikings. We ended up being a playoff team, but yeah. Vikings fans beating last year's NFC title participant was like the most. They were real excited about themselves. Yeah, and that was a that was an effing nightmare. Just uh, give give themselves the, at old, the trough urinal yeah. deal that's going on. Massive was, erections everywhere. I'm sure. Well, it wasn't. I mean, I didn't. Well, I'd be lying if I said I didn't sneak a peek, <laughs> but. It was really more the commentary. Like, it was week two last year, and it was like, we're Super Bowl bound, yeah. dude. You know, like... And all you heard was... Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then there was, like, dude in section F, like, you know, heavy lies the crown, dude! Niners are going down! You know, and it's like, we didn't even win it last year. But the bike... Okay, so that's my... That's my regression into... I don't even know where we were. I'm just mad at Vikings well, fans. In general, uh, the Vikings suck. I think, <laughs> you know, I think their roster is pretty good though. So it's got to be Ponder. It's but the line. I mean, the line pl- did not play well. I'll put that out there right now. Running or passing, uh, their blocking was terrible. But um, they still had a chance at the end of the game. And Ponder, I mean, the throws on that drive, like the microcosm, uh, 
really, they were just terrible throws, and he made several of them. Um, you know, he turned the ball over, he was scrambling, and went to throw the ball out of bounds as, like, Indomitian Sue's barreling down on him. He's like, he's not going to hit my arm and make this be an interception. Yeah. Which was a turn for a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, it's just poor decision making, and I think he's, uh, he should be tarred and feathered in, uh, <laughs> the Mississippi River. Okay, well, likelihood of that still unknown. Well, this podcast sponsored by the word microcosm today. Sponsored, brought to you by microcosm, the people who also drink Green Belt beer during their podcast. <laughs> yep, Green Belt unofficial sponsor. Unofficial. But certainly lubricating the wheels on the TDIS Ooh, podcast. Keep it flowing. Um, okay, I had one other question on the Vikings for you, and it, has been forgotten. Why their defense sucks? Uh, probably because for a million reasons. But uh, <clears throat> no. Okay, here's what I was gonna say. It was about the Lions, actually. You got Fairley, Sue, Ansa, Tulloch. It's a pretty good front seven. Can we give Ponder a little bit of a pass and give? Can we, in the days of social media, which is my favorite cliche, just mm-hmm. blame social media for everything? It's a it's a social media world. Yeah, That's I feel like, like Tom Cruise is oblivion right now. <laughs> Did you, see, did you see that? Yeah, it's pretty good. That's worse than Olympus's Fallen. Oh, I, I watched both in the last week, and it is not. It's much, much better. Hashtag Olympus Has- Fallen. Hashtag Oblivion. Hashtag Tom Cruise. Okay, spoiler alert. Did Olympus fall? Uh, yes, Olympus fell, but it got back up. Olympus is is the United States, right? No, Washington, Olymp- D.C.? Olympus it was the White House. Okay. Right. So, essentially, yes. It was really a microcosm for the White House. It was a microcosm for so. <laughs> Or the White House is a microcosm so for So, the Olympus. country... With the largest military budget and the 47th ranked educational system worldwide is Olympus. No, the White House is Olympus. It's a sim- It's a symbol. Oh, okay. Well, here's the thing. It's a symbol for the United States. We're we're Rome, right? Olympus is Rome. We're we are the mountaintop. What you were really concerned about is whether Gerard Butler took his shirt off. And I think I know the answer yeah, to that. Oh, one. he did. He yeah. looks great. My question, really, to follow up, was how much screen time was there? For Gerard, Sam's shirt. Uh, not a lot. It was very, it was a brutal movie. A lot of very, uh, very close range, like gunshots to the head and stabbings and stuff like that. Well, when you don't have a plot, what else? Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, so the Vikings suck. Moving on. Uh, I feel still okay because I won at least one of my fantasy football games. Don't talk about it. And I came out pretty well in our pick down. Um, hold on. We're going to... I have to... Gather yourself. I'm going to give you a second. I have to get into fantasy football because I thought before this year started, I was like, it's too much. I I never did it because mm-hmm. I like to make fun of the nerds that did it. Yeah. And then I did it last year and I became like the nerd. I was yeah. like, hey, it's, did you see who I got in the waiver wire? It's awesome. Yeah. It's, the, it's the greatest thing ever. Did you see me laying in the cut, Amendola, week six? No. I, the... I, I got him and you didn't. But I started 0-7 <laughs> last year. 0-7. <laughs> All right, it was mere happenstance. It's not a good inaugural voyage. Eric, but move on. Eric can testify that I won like six or seven in a row. All right, and no one cares about my fantasy team, but I'm still talking about it from last year. Yeah. And well, you, I mean, you got to beat the drum because it doesn't sound like this year started off very well. Oh, and one. But right. Eric said I was the team that nobody wants to play, and he doesn't speak unless it's important. What does that mean? Nobody wanted to. I was cagey. You're cagey. Just like in the pick down where you were twelve and four this week. Yes, twelve and, and four. Wait. Twelve and four. That's a first round bye. I was nine and seven, but let me tell you who else was nine and seven in the last few years. Well, I can only think of one team: the Giants. But they won the Super Bowl. Tom Coughlin looks like my grandma. I hate the Giants, but anyway, uh, my point is that I'm going to win the Super Bowl. I'm just going to come wild card action at the pick down. Like last three weeks, I might go. I might not pick one wrong. 
You might never hear me on the podcast because I'm just going to move to Vegas and play my Clutch Factor and just bet every game. Uh, there were like three games, I think, where I, I was the lone wolf with a pick, and yeah. I should have put some money on those, clearly. We don't, none of us have any money, though. I don't have any money. Yeah. So that's... Can I borrow some? <laughs> that's a non-starter with me, mister. Well, in that, it's, hey, that's not bad. It's over 500. We're all over 500. Don't patronize me. All of us. Podcast. Uh, but, I, you know, there were a couple noteworthy games, I think, uh, over the weekend. Something like the, the Vikings-Lions game was kind of a stinker, I thought. Yeah, let me be honest. Um, I was all geared up for... I was like, week one! I was up at like 6 a.m. tweeting. Yeah. Uh, That's what they call it these days? Pissing people off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was tweedling my thumbs. Yeah. Uh, so let's leave that. I'm going to leave that. Leave um, it. Just don't touch I'm it. I'm going to let that lie. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I was up early, and then I fizzled myself out and took a little nap ski mm-hmm. around 11 a.m. and woke up maybe around like... Third quarter of the first slew of games. That's a long nap. That's a long nap. That's like a three-hour nap. Let's not get it. I'm a newborn. Yeah. Let's not get. Let's not. Yeah. Let's not get in too right. deep. You get a pass. Um. Anyway, I was really excited, and I I'm like a, a reptile, mm-hmm. so if I like lay in the sun too long and I don't get in the water, I'm gonna be totally drained. So <laughs> I have to go back. To the reservoir. Drag your corpse into the into the water. <laughs> yeah, because waking up and drinking coffee and tweeting was exhausting. So anyway, came out energized and then, you know, took a look at all the games. Still feel like I got a pretty good feel for what happened week one. And then, showcase game for me, and I think for most people, as I see Mike McCarthy right now on ESPN on a, what is it, a Tuesday? Is it Tuesday? Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a uh, it's a uh, press conference day for NFL. yeah. So they're still ESPN is still retreading the, the the kind of marquee game of the weekend, which was Niners Packers. Covered it a little bit. One thing I want to talk about though is the Clay Matthews mm. toboggan. Mm, the Clay Matthews flying. Man. Okay, here's my whole issue with the whole thing. It's his hair, isn't it? That's your issue. Yeah. Yeah. What is in there? Is that Pantene? Because yeah, I'm yeah. using Pantene. It's a fucking wig. Is he doing the shampoo plus have. conditioner, or is he conditioning separately? How often is he doing it? Is he letting the natural oils build up? Because I think that's a myth. I wash every day and condition every day, and I've got great hair. And I think most people would agree with that. Uh, I do. I don't. Uh, shampoo plus conditioner is the worst thing you could do. You plus, like, the body wash. Have you seen how they have thrown that in yeah. lately? Like, just smear it on your armpit. <laughs> Take this bottle of dish soap. It'll clean yeah. all your parts. Just eat it. You'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, I, I, we digress. Um, no, Clay Matthews, I've never... His attitude doesn't really make me happy. Well, it doesn't make me happy as an opponent. I think he's a hell of a player. And the um, on the read option, I think it was like third, fourth quarter, where Kaepernick did the fake handoff, and then and then uh, Matthews didn't buy it and sprung on him and tackled Kaepernick and just like whipped him down, and then they jawed afterwards. That to me was like an example of how good Clay Matthews. Clay Matthews is rare. Mm-hmm. Like he. He's like the new revolution of quarterback. Yeah. He's the new revolution of defender, but he's sometimes a bit of an asshole. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's what happens when you have those, you know, ultra futuristic steroids pumping through your veins. <laughs> but he's a superstar, in yeah. my opinion, and he's very marketable. But then, okay, here's, you can't talk the week proceeding to the game and say, we're coming after Kaepernick. We're going to hit him whenever we can. Mm-hmm. And then Kaepernick is clearly going out of bounds. And you launch yourself like the wild, wide world of sports off of a ski hill mm-hmm. and come flying in, tackle him, and then after you tackle him, 
you decide, hey, who's the best or second best left tackle in the league? Joe Staley. Why don't I punch him in the head? I'm going to do that. And then Staley locks him up, and that's what everyone will tell you. That's what he's supposed to do. Someone messes with your quarterback after they, first of all, said they were going to do it. Then they do it, and they do it blatantly. Staley walks over, locks up Clay, gets in his face, says things that we can't repeat unless right. we do it once. Oh, yeah. One F-bomb. I already used mine. I must have missed it. I snuck it in there. You didn't even hear it. Yeah. I was drunk. Um, but anyway, so Joe does exactly what he's supposed to do. And if you show the replay, Clay gets under Joe Seeley's face mask, throws like a punch. He could have, arguably should have been ejected. Yeah. And instead, it's offsetting penalties. And then, of course, Packer fandom and Facebook and Twitter explodes with, it should have been, what, third and six instead of fourth and two or what? What it should have been is first and goal on the one-inch line or the one-yard line because it never should have been offsetting penalties, and it should have been a touchdown either way. And we won by the, the we. The, the, the proverbial yeah, way. The, the, the royal we. The, the unbiased perspective comes out. Anyway, I'm right about this. I don't care. Mm-hmm. We won by six. The difference between a touchdown and a field goal is four points, so you can adjust it however you want. San Francisco won the time of possession. They won just about everything else. Anquan Bolden. I think caught more passes in that game than he had in his entire eleven-year career. Fantasy That's a fact. star, he's on one of my teams. Twenty-six. See, I wrote. I, I think I wrote about anyone that watches the 49ers knows Kaepernick locked into Crabtree for like eighty percent of his passes last year, and it still worked. And now he was just like, "Hey, Crabtree's not there. Who else is number one?" Bolden. I'm swelling, and I won't tell you where. Uh, with pride. With pride, and we won't tell you where. Well, I think. Uh, I think Joe Staley should have ripped Clay Matthews' arms off and beat him to death with both of them. But <laughs> he took the he took the more appropriate approach, and that's fine. San Francisco's now beaten, including playoffs, uh, uh, Green Bay three times in a row. I think it's one of those matchup issues. It's like, uh, um, you know, like with the Indiana Pacers against the Heat. You know, like even though the Pacers well have... wanted that blue collar win for Indiana, yeah, right. Even though they don't attend the games, whatever. Um, but anyway, even though Indiana hasn't beaten the Heat, it's like that's the matchup every year in the playoffs where everyone's like, hey, look out. And I think the 49ers on the winning side are that matchup for the Packers. It's like Green Bay can like slice and dice and pass their way to like 10, 11, 12 wins. Because most teams, especially in this like era of like spread it out, be fast, aren't physical. But, but the 49ers and the Seahawks are like a bunch of like, Neanderthals with like pelts on. Mm-hmm. Like the Urukai, just like Alabama. Just like that. Uh, the fighting Urukai from Lord of the Rings. But so I don't think the Packers are set up to beat a team with that type of physicality. And so I think they're, I almost, I think the Packers could get to the NFC title game if they got the right matchup. I think they could win the Super Bowl. But if they have to beat Seattle or San Francisco in a row, or at some point, which in all likelihood will happen, I don't, I don't think they can beat either one of those two. Two teams. It's always that. It's the same old adage: defense wins championships. You can. I mean, look at the Seahawks. They won Week One, even though they only scored twelve points. Yeah. Against yeah. a fairly, I mean, Cam Newton may not a lot be of potential. Yeah, there's, a, but he, and he's an athlete. The yeah. guy can run. He can throw the ball. Third, fourth year. What is it? His third year. Yeah. Third year in the system. Pr- traditionally, a big year for yeah. quarterbacks. Well, and, he, and they came out. You know, Carolina scored. Right away, but uh, the Hawks' defense buckled down. Yeah. Speaking of the Seahawks, we should probably delve into the 12th man while we're just touching briefly on that. Yeah, I have in my notes somewhere as a bullet point, uh, naked Alaska Seahawk. Yeah. And I'm just going to tease it with that and let you take it from there. So our neighbor, uh, when we were living in Alaska, is this big Seahawk fan. And usually they didn't didn't have cable, so he'd come over to our house and watch the Seahawks games. So this is when you... 
and your significant other. Yes, my partner. Your partner. Mm. Alicia. I, we, we, I wanted to leave it a mystery, whether it was... Not that there's anything wrong with yeah. that. Yeah, my father's gay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways, yeah, so we, we'd watch these games, and he'd come over and watch Seahawks games. And actually, quite as long as they're not playing Minnesota, I really actually do like the Seahawks to, to, to an extent. But uh, when they lost to Atlanta in the... Well, that was the NFC Divisional, divisional round. round. Made the big comeback, um, then fell just yeah. short. Actually took the lead, and Matt Ryan leads... Atlanta down for a last-second field goal. Yeah. With, with, what was it, like 30 seconds left or yeah. something like that? Something yeah. ridiculous. The, the defense rarely failed at the end there. So our neighbor gets drunk, uh, had progressively Seahawk got fan drunk. neighbor Se- during this Atlanta-Seattle game Se- last year. Seahawk fan neighbor during the Atlanta-Seattle game last year got progressively drunk over the course of the game by drinking Crown Royal and probably most of a bottle to himself. He's just hanging out in your house? Hanging out. And he always died. I mean, he was in our house all the time. Okay. A good friend of ours. Oh, uh, I was going to say, welcome or unwelcome? Do you just kind of like, no, he's like, let him in? Well, you don't know. And he's, he's a kindergarten teacher. You know? he's, well, let him in. He's a kindergarten teacher. You know, oh, most of the time okay. we, had, we had fun and, you know, all <laughs> this stuff. makes the story a hundred times better. It does. He's bearded. Bearded kindergarten teacher. Uh... Anyways, does he believe that the children are our future? He must. I couldn't put up with those little jerks all day. And yeah, they're cute. Screaming, I, you got to be patient. He's patient. I did an after-school teaching gig one time. It was great. Kindergartens are hard. Uh, yeah. But so he, he progressively drunk on Crown Royal, uh, and when they lost, he stripped naked and sat <laughs> in my living room for about two hours. Was he? Was this the? He laid on the floor for a while, and I just covered up his genitals with a, a newspaper. <laughs> That's that happened. Like Big Daddy. Just like that. He was just laying there, you know, on his back for all the world to see, and I gave him a little tent, you know, a little newspaper tent. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you are a sports fan and a man and have been to college, it's indisputable that you have been caught naked, unawares, and depressed, and drunk, all simultaneously, probably relating to a sporting event. Or purposely have pulled out your genitals for a picture opportunity, which I can... Stay off of that, though. I don't want that ended up on Twitter. TwitPic. TwitPic. Prove it. Prove it's me. <laughs> Just like Brett Favre. Hashtag real talk. Hashtag Anthony Weiner. Hashtag humblebrag. Hashtag underscore, TDIS underscore humblebrag. Again, if you want to follow us on Twitter. TDIS underscore humblebrag. We promise there will be no... No dick pics. No twit dick pics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, long story short, I had a naked uh, Seahawk fan in my... My thought was, though, we've all been there, just maybe not in somebody else's house in public. Right. I'm usually in a lawn chair naked in my room by the time we lose the Super Bowl. I'll pee my pants before I lose my uh, grasp on social appropriateness as far as... Before you as, lose your honor. Yeah, nude, nudeness in other people's homes. Yeah. Where's um, the civility? Get nude in your own home. Where's the civility? So as we... we uh, let's let's uh, keep this ball rolling. Welcome back in TDIS the day in sports underscore humble brag humbling humbly humbler humbly brag. We want to point out that that's meant to be ironic because it's like when people do hashtag humble brag on Twitter, it's like that's 
just you're obviously bragging. Just that's like when people say, "No offense, but you really should lose some weight." I never really liked you. No, it's like you can't just get away with saying whatever you want just because you put humble brag there. Like, boy, my team's the best in the world, and the Patriots are gonna go sixteen and zero. And I just really think Tom Brady's the best of all time. And look at Shane Vereen; he might win the MVP. Hashtag humble brag. Hashtag humble. You can't just do anything you want after humble brag. That's our little thought on that. But we wanted to get into uh, RG3, Chip Kelly, the Eagles, up-tempo. Get, We're probably not going to be as up-tempo. The Eagles, it, it just talk faster. Beers. Talk much faster. Just talk much faster. Faster, faster, faster. faster. That's 50. what Chip says during practice. Faster, faster, faster. Well, interestingly enough, this morning, SportsCenter did 53 segments in honor of the 53 plays that the Eagles ran in the first half last night. But, of course, in typical ESPN fashion, like, 37 of the 53 segments were like the same thing. Yeah. So they really did like 12 segments. Mm-hmm. They're probably all about the Heat and LeBron James. It was like one segment was like LaShawn McCoy. Then the next was like up tempo. And then the next was like Deshaun Jackson emergence. It's like, no, just say Eagles. That's Eagles. all I want. Eagles. Anyway, LaShawn McCoy. Don't bury the lead. I know everyone wants to talk about Chip Kelly, and he's a big factor in this. People want to talk about RG3. Wasn't that sharp? Vic. Whatever. LaShawn McCoy, 31 carries, 184 yards, and I'm sitting there with my uh, hindsight hat, hindsight fantasy owner hat, and thinking, boy, I really, I knew I should have taken him. I had a Jans hat. I, but see, here's the thing with LaShawn McCoy. He'll do that, and then, like, next week he'll, like, go out and sprain his ankle and miss four months' worth of work. So. Okay, but if he doesn't, because uh, I got, uh, I got things to do. I got a newborn. I already mentioned that, but... I can't watch every second of every game, but I watched a lot. I would say 65% of the Eagles game last night. And the holes for McCoy were wide open. And I think it's because of this Chip Kelly tempo offense. You've got, if you want to stop the run, you've got to keep your run-stopping personnel on the field. But how do your guys that are 315 to 330 pounds, your meteor linebackers that aren't great in pass coverage, uh, as my dog Omar settles into his crate, how do you keep those guys on the field for 53 plays and stop the run? It's a catch-22, right? Conditioning, it's got to be, right? But but that's those guys are built to stop the run, so if they lose 20 pounds, they're going to start getting pushed around in the run game. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with the tempo and the run game and the offense just kind of running you like that? And I don't think – I think you saw the Redskins figure it out towards the end because it was, what, 33-7, to 7, then it was 27-33 to 33 by the end of the game. So I think the Redskins, and I think – uh, you give some good defensive coordinators a week or so to look at it. Maybe they alternate personnel and things like that. McCoy's a talented back, though. If you're going to give him those kind of holes, 181 yards, 184 yards, whatever it was, you're going to expect that to keep happening. I think the thing is, when you're any kind of run defense, like you see the most successful, from the offensive side, the most successful running plays are often when the defense over-pursues and doesn't maintain their gap integrity. And, yeah. And who uh, are you going after in this offense? Which gap do you pick? Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think you got to... It comes down to, like, would you rather... They're, they're gambling and saying, okay, if we if we shoot here and shoot there, maybe we'll bring him down behind the line of scrimmage, but if we miss, he's going to pick up 18 yards. But you have to shoot, right? You For the offense, it's the read option. For the defense... It's the guess and hope, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's goddamn. I hope the quarterback has the ball. Pulling because I'm flying. You know what are you supposed to do? I think well, he's football in today's. But uh, like seriously, what do you? I I understand what you're saying. What do you do? There really isn't. All you can 
hope to do, I guess, would be to not shoot as many guys in those gaps, not blitz as hard, especially run blitz, try and maintain the gaps and hold them to three yards of carry. And then what if they pass? That's the, that's the whole thing with the Wilson and the Luck and the RG3. I think those guys, as we mentioned before, are more unique than the read option itself, and I think that they're getting undervalued almost, all those athletic, newer guys. Um, well, which would you rather have Philadelphia beat you with? I mean, clearly with Michael Vick and LaShawn McCoy in the backfield, I would say they're more apt to destroy you by running with the run game. You. Yeah, because Vic isn't the passer that Cap or Wilson, and that's the that's He's the not difference. Even the passer that, that he used to be. No, and I and I think that's the difference that we'll see play out through the season. And Vic will be the exception that proves that, uh, or or maybe the the other or Cap Wilson RG three will be the exceptions that prove the rule. Right? These guys are awesome from the pocket, awesome on the move. And they've got this offense that works perfectly for them. Vic is awesome on the move as a runner. Never been a great passer, but the offense fits his skill set. So I think he'll be good this year and maybe better than in years past, but I don't think he reaches the level of a Wilson or a Kaepernick or an RG3 who didn't look particularly good. We'll get into that, but he's, got, he's eight months off knee surgery. Um, but I do think it brings up an interesting point of when Michael Vick was in his prime, right? Remember like 2001, 2002, and I remember my dad saying distinctly, I thought he was going to be awesome. And my dad said, it's going to be a circus down there in Atlanta. Because, you know, he's, it, it's a new wave of quarterback. It doesn't make sense, yeah. you know. And if I, I just, and it was new then, and it's not so new now. If Michael Vick had been drafted in 2012 as a 21-year-old, physically, who's, I, I think he's probably in his prime. Better than, gifted athlete, better right? than Kaepernick. Oh yeah, faster than RG three with, with a bigger arm, uh, more talented than Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. um, more talented than Andrew Luck, more talented than any quarterback really I've ever seen. In his prime, I've never seen someone. I mean, maybe a couple running backs here and there, but there are very few people who have played football who were faster than he was with a bigger arm. Yeah, and who would just. Who, and it wasn't like a, you know, build up his speed. It was like he'd take off and he was gone. Yeah. that's He was like the number one video game player since like Bo Jackson and Tecmo. Bono's Bo. Yeah. But uh, but just looking at it, the way I I see the offense that would tailor so well to Vic, I, I just kind of, even though he's not really my favorite guy, he's kind of a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Really a bad guy. He's, he's some bad tainted. Things. America's the land of second chances. Whatever. I'm going to move on. I don't want to get into that. That's a that's a whole nother. We won't, thing. we won't touch that ball away. Yeah, I love dogs. Uh, get them spayed and neutered. <laughs> but anyway, Bob Barker, ladies and yeah, gentlemen, get them spayed and neutered your pets. Cover that stuff. But anyway, but I just think if he comes in to Shanahan, Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan, Mike and Kyle's offense, uh, 2011, 2012, and you get so so. What did you see from RG three last year? Comes out of Baylor. The perception is tremendous athlete, probably best athlete since Vic, but he's not ready to play the NFL quarterback position. And then he comes in, has a higher quarterback rating last year than Kurt Warner did in his last MVP year, 2001. That should tell you something. 20-some touchdowns, six picks, 65% completion percentage, only threw for 3,200 yards, which is like the 1,000-yard the back used to be. It's not as impressive as it used to be because everyone throws for 4,000. But it's incredibly efficient. And if you would have put Vic in that offense as he started, right? <clears throat> Instead of RG3. Yeah, if you yeah. bring Vic into the read option offense as he starts his career and he gets indoctrinated with it right off the bat, there's one or two reads that he has to make. 
People are running wide open. People are selling out for the run game. Couldn't I argue he's completing 65% instead of 56%, and he's running more controlled so he doesn't get hurt as often, and his run game is more effective along with him. Maybe his entire career is different. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I, I think that he would be, now that, now that NFL coaches and, you know, coaches in general, college, elsewhere, whatever, have seen more of that type of quarterback and have worked with them more and kind of seen successes and failures and what works and what doesn't and how to keep them healthy for longer, I, I mean, I think he's a shoe-in Hall of Famer. I mean, that's a, that's hard to say, but. If he had been brought up in this era? Yeah. Yeah. We're kind of looking at Vic in sort of a retrospective way and what could have been. And we can't really do what could have been because we can see it now, but we can't project five years from now or ten years from now what the Hall of Fame is going to look at. But Well, we haven't, we haven't actually seen a quarter, that style of quarterback. You were talking about the pocket. They haven't got a bust in the HOF yet, have nobody, they? Nobody. No. Well, and, and to be fair, it's only been, what, a decade plus yeah. since they kind of broke into the league. But. Here's the argument I hate, though. Until they win a Super Bowl. Okay, Colin Kaepernick, 10 games into his basically rookie year, second year, first year as a starter, was five yards from winning the Super Bowl. Okay, so is it really the fact that he was a mobile quarterback that cost him five yards? No. If they they play Baltimore 10 times, how many times do they win? Seven? Six and a half. Six and a half, whatever. Yeah. But they were the same team. They started slow, could have won the game, didn't win the game. Had nothing to do with the fact that Colin can also run. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's... I think that that's the, what we're pushing against is the old school mentality that relies on cliches, right? You can't win a Super Bowl if you're not in the pocket. Well, what if you're both? What if you're out of the pocket? What if you're in the pocket? And I think RG3, Kaepernick, those guys can do both. But anyway, I was looking uh, at RG3 last night, and he wasn't ready. No. He wasn't ready to play. And after I know all of this crap, Adrian Peterson all ruined it for yeah. everybody. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm not trying to disparage Adrian Peterson. I'm saying he's so incredible that he ruined the timeline. And then the media gets their greasy palms in there and says, hey, are you ready? You know, it's week one. We're all in. Hey, Adidas commercial. You better be ready. I think, I, I'm, I think Robert Griffin put a lot of that on himself. Okay. He wanted to be Adrian Peterson because he, he's done – he had a similar – he tore his ACL at Baylor. Yeah, what, this what is the that? second ACL. Yeah. I think. Same knee, right? I don't know if it, you know what we'll we'll uh, we'll put some get the get the we'll put some, department on it. Put some R and D into that. Yeah. But anyway, that we know that two torn ACLs were had. Two torn ACLs were had. I, he wanted so badly to be that success story that Adrian Peterson kind of put out there that I think he wasn't really concentrating on the work in front of him. Robert Griffin tore his ACL in his right knee twice. Twice. Same ACL, twice. So his left knee is probably faster than his right knee. So he's running in circles. Food for thought. Just like we saw. He's got a peg leg. He's been running in circles. Did anyone notice that his actual, did you say right knee? Right knee. Yeah, it was actually uh, uh, a titanium implant. Like uh, Like that... uh, guy that killed his wife in South Africa. Oscar Pistorius. Yeah, he's got a fake right leg now. RG3. The whole... Okay. No. <laughs> no, of course not. I was like, I missed that story. <laughs> Jeez, where have I been? It was a big one. Mars. Sports Center really missed them. Yeah, back. what the heck? <laughs> this guy's got a metal leg. No, I think I, what the difference I saw between like what Adrian did and what Robert Griffin did, no matter what, Adrian always said, the coaching staff is right. Whatever they think is best is best for me, and that's what I'm going to do. Whereas Robert was like, I think I'm ready. 
I wouldn't put a number on it, but I guess it's 100%. But it's up to Coach Shanahan. <coughs> right, right, right. And you know what my guess would be is that RG3 and AP had the exact same thought process, and they vocalized it differently. Mm-hmm. And in today's media, that's what makes all the difference. So, Maturity. Yeah, and and uh, discretion is the better part of valor. Let's say that. Right. You know, Adrian Peterson's ready to go, but he says, I'm going to push and talk to the coaches all I can in practice because I'm not going to dictate this through the media. And they want to save their jobs. Leslie Frazier isn't Bill Belichick. He wants to play me. He'll play me when he can play me. Shanahan isn't beloved in Washington. They've had one good season because of Robert Griffin. So it's not as if Shanahan doesn't want to play Robert Griffin. He knows football. He wants to play him. Yeah. He's got to play him. He might he might not mind playing two, three weeks of Kirk Cousins to let Robert heal and up that trade value of Kirk Cousins. But I think Robert Griffin is kind of being over overly manipulative here. And I think we saw him handle the Heisman stuff so well. We saw him handle his rookie year so well. And now... There's been kind of some bungles and some some mishandled snaps with the media. I like that mishandled snap. I think so, though. I Well, you see it a lot, and I don't know who he's got. You know, because all these guys these days, they have people advising them and telling them what they should and shouldn't be doing. Just and, don't make it your cousin. Yeah, or hire a PR director who will tell you what to say, not, you know. Yeah. I, I think the problem with him was that basically he came out and disagreed with the coach in a very passive-aggressive way in front of the entire country, and it kind of made him look immature. And clearly, if he had come out and thrown for four touchdowns and won the game last night, we would probably be saying, well, Shanahan's an idiot. Yeah. But clearly, something wasn't ready there, and he was pushing it because he's not mature enough to know when it's time to come back. My question to you is this, though. How do you win in today's media, right? Okay, because no matter what you do, let's say... It's all cliches. Let's say, well, yeah, we live in a world of cliches because it's easier, and a lot of times they're right, so we categorize things. But let's say um, let's say Robert Griffin... Uh, well, like a lot of the talk I heard last night, he should have played in the preseason, right? Should have... That I'm, I'm just telling you, I don't agree with it. I'm telling right. you what I heard. The he chatter. Should, the chatter. The talking heads. Um, he should have played in the preseason. He wasn't game-ready. He needed a lot of reps during during warm-up of last night's game, and he just seemed jittery. Okay, you play him in preseason, and he doesn't look ready in week one, you say, well, maybe his knee needed more time to heal. So I'm saying, if he doesn't perform well in week one, it's either you should have played him in the preseason, or you shouldn't have played him in the preseason. You can't make the right decision as a coach. And I think the media microscope kind of makes it impossible to make the right decision. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I think... I think you I, you just have to go based on what the training staff is telling you. Is he, I mean, where is he at? And is you you set out a plan at the beginning. This is the timeline. I mean, if you aggressively approach this and move ahead of schedule, you'll be back in time to start. If not, then you won't. Uh, I think that he carries so much weight with his name and his, you know, the star power that he brings to it that he's able to maybe manipulate some of the training staff and just you know. The media. In the media. And, and you know, he's I clearly he's not where he should be. And, you know, you can't push those things, especially when you're tearing the same tendon for the second time or yeah. your ligament or whatever you want to... It's a ligament. It's, uh, it's not a hangnail. It's no. a torn ACL. No. And you've got to just, you know, grin and bear it. Yeah. Do what you're supposed to do. Shut up. Quit talking to the media about it. 
Um, I think you take the Bill Belichick approach with the media, but you make it sound more friendly and say something without really saying anything. You know, I'm glad you brought up Belichick because uh, Tom Brady, totally different quarterback, but did have a torn ACL, came back from it, and first couple of weeks, uh, I remember of I'm not sure what season it was. Castle had come in and went 11 and five. New England didn't make the Patriots, which is like the only team I've ever remembered at 11 and five that didn't make the playoffs. But following year, Brady comes back. From torn ACL, tore everything in his knee. First three, four, five weeks, he just doesn't look the same, right? He's not stepping into his throws. He looks nervous. And I think we saw that with RG3 last night, right? Everyone uh, that's talking about it is not keeping their eye on the ball because all of these great read option quarterbacks, the reason they're great is because they can throw from the pocket. And Robert Griffin can too. But people are criticizing him um, from last night saying, he didn't move all that well, and it proved that he can't throw from the pocket unless he can also run and threaten the defense both ways. But I disagree with that. What I saw was a guy that has had his right knee operated on twice, didn't want to step in to throws and get his left knee rolled into. And uh, you can call it mechanics. I call it fear, and I call it rational fear. This is his career. This is his life. And... Clearly, the game plan was not, we're going to either give it to Alfred Morris, we're going to fake it to you and have you run around the corner. It was, we're down, we're going to have you sit in the pocket and try to win the game for us. And and I think Robert Griffin can win the game from the pocket. I do think he's good enough to do that. Um, and I, I, I think the torn ACL affected his passing more than it did his running. He didn't attempt to run. But if you look at a lot of his throws... A lot of the sideline outs, all right, 15-yard out to the sideline, one of the hardest throws to make because it requires a lot of arm strength, timing, accuracy, everything. He was wide open stance, and he's fading away from the throw. Tony Romo, fourth quarter style. Mm-hmm. And I think that has to do with the knee. So I think we need to give him a little bit of time, and we want to jump to conclusions because he's this great athlete that he can't pass. But I think his passing was more affected by his knee than anything else last night. And what's really interesting is, like, Kind of, you we're trying to guess about the the psychology that yeah. goes into this and like what he's thinking and for a guy, I think you made an interesting point for a guy that was really pushing to be back out on the field and saying how ready he was and all that stuff. He didn't look ready. Yeah, he and mentally, I mean, maybe more than anything, he didn't look ready. He was he's not, and maybe he just needs to get smacked around a little bit and realize that he's not going to break or yeah. he'll break again. I don't know, but and uh, then he'll realize he needs a longer timeline. Yeah, and eight he, months. I don't care what era of medical science we're in. One guy did it. Adrian Peterson did it. And he's a freak. And he's Adrian Peterson. He's the best running back I've ever personally seen besides Barry Sanders. Mm-hmm. So he's not your average cat hanging out, tearing an ACL. And even the even even the training staff and the doctor both said just physically he he's a tends freak to heal faster than most He's people. like Wolverine. Yeah, he just tends to heal faster. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that has nothing to do with how well he rehabbed. I mean, that plays a role. But there are just people who are going to heal faster than other people. And and the other thing is he had no fear. The thing that terrified me about Adrian Peterson, and uh, people can take shots and say that maybe he used something to heal. I don't care if he did. I don't think he did. It took eight months, whatever. He's just a freak. But even if you take something to help you heal, uh, eight months after a complete ACL, PCL, MCL, tore everything, didn't he? Yeah. Comes back, and he is running like... He didn't want the brace. He wasn't afraid no, of people going No, he's like a hornet, and you just threw a rock at his nest. Yeah. He was so pissed off. Angry. And the last thing on his 
like the first thing on his mind was to like deliver his surgically repaired knee to your face. Yeah. He was like, I'm gonna test that out when I'm so mad <laughs> and I'm gonna run for twenty one hundred yards and just stomp on people. And I think that that mentality had played along. If you're going to come back from that, I feel like that's you're how you're going to have to do you're it. You're going to have to do it. I mean, can't you can't be afraid or baby it or anything like that? Because that in a game of inches and tenths of a second, you know, you thinking about your knee for a tenth of a second is the difference between you getting sacked and running for forty yards. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna uh, let us take a break. We're going to compose ourselves. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about uh, our top seven teams in the NFL, and then maybe. Uh, what if you take away the quarterback? What's your favorite roster in the NFL? Uh, so that's coming up. T D I S underscore humblebrag the day in sports.